Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I am happy that you found me. But more importantly, friends, I am thrilled that you have found Jesus. Friends, there is power in the name of Jesus. And as we journey together, we'll be unleashing discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter Jesus to transform. Hopefully, you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, friends, we'll delve into my mailbag answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, friends, as we prepare to enter into God's presence today, allow me to speak a blessing over your life. And this blessing comes in the form of a benediction given to us by Moses' brother, Priest Aaron. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, recently, friends, we've discussed the awe of false teachers and what to look for, and now we're going to be entering into a series that will be focusing on Jesus as the center or the core of Christianity versus false religions or cults, because as you know, religion is man-made. God never said, I want these religions upon all the earth. And we know that Christianity stems from Jesus Christ himself, the son of God, both deity and human. So let's jump in. And what we're going to do on the next several series here is we're going to look at biblical Christianity versus one or two false religions or cults as they're known. And while some of them appear to have good characteristics, there's always the slight deception that creeps in from the enemy. Because remember, he knows the Bible inside and out as well, but he always slightly twists something to make it not quite right. So specifically, our episodes will cover the key person who founded the religion, what the key writings are for the religion, who is God-based in their religion, who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, how to be saved, and what happens after death. And then we're going to look at any other pertinent facts, beliefs, or practices that uh, go along with that religion. So first, I want to review how to become a Christian. John chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And this is telling us that God cares about each and every one of us, and he wants a personal relationship with us. And when we look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul instructs the church by saying, For all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. Man can never meet God's standard, which is precisely why his son had to die for us. Sin is sin in God's eyes. There's no sliding scale of little to big. It's not black, gray, white, 
sin is sin. Some sins appear bigger because as a society, the consequences are much larger. Take, for example, murder. This sin seems much more grandiose than harboring hatred within our heart. And what about adultery? Doesn't that sin seem so much more than that of just pride? Well, it's not possible to justify committing little sins, making us to be deserving of eternal life. All sin makes us sinners, even if we're good people. But sin cuts us off from a holy and just God. This is why all sin leads to death. And it's the nature of sin that disqualifies us from living with God. My hope is that this helps you to not minimize the little sins in your life or overrate and exaggerate the big sins. They all separate us from God, and yet they all can be forgiven. 1 John chapter 1, verse 10, John tells us, if we claim we have not sinned, We are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Romans chapter 6 verse 23, Paul explains sin further by saying, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, Paul already said that sin equates to death. We have the choice of serving one of two masters, sin or Jesus. You may have heard that life without God for a good, kind person means spending eternity somewhere, just not in heaven. However, life with Jesus for this same person equals eternity with Jesus in heaven. So today, Jesus is asking you to make a decision, draw the line in the sand, and never look back. Your new life in eternity begins immediately upon earth when you make the decision for Jesus to be the Lord of your life and continue with it on forever. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, Paul tells us how to believe. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Friends, saving salvation is as close as our lips and our heart. It's belief in our heart and a profession from our mouths that Jesus is the risen Lord. The process is not complicated. This is why children are able to be saved too. God gives us this free grace gift. Listen to what John says in John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. This is a gift that we can never repay as it is extravagant and extraordinary. What we can do is show our gratitude for God sacrificing his son, Jesus, for us. Our salvation has nothing to do with what we've done in life. It cost us zero dollars, but we must have faith and believe rightly that Jesus was our propitiation or our atonement for our sins. Upon this acceptance, we can then be thankful. Furthermore, Paul states in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, God saved you by a special favor when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Exploring biblical Christianity, what do we know? Well, here's what we know. Jesus Christ is the key person in Christianity, which was founded in AD 30 to, or to 33. 
In the Judean province of Palestine, which is Israel today under the Roman Empire, the key writings for Christians come from the Bible. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew and Aramaic, and the New Testament was written in Greek. The one true God is a triune God, often referred to as the Godhead or the Trinity, which means one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Oftentimes, the title God is designating the first person, God the Father. And God the Father is a spiritual being without a physical body. He is personal and involved with people. He created the universe out of of nothing. He's eternal, changeless, timeless, holy, loving, and perfect. Jesus Christ is God, the second person of the Trinity. As God the Son, He has always existed and was never created. He is fully God and fully man. These two natures are joined, not mixed. As the second person of the Trinity, he is co-equal with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. In becoming man, he was begotten through the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus is the only way to the Father, salvation, and eternal life. He died on a cross according to God's plan as full sacrifice and payment for our sins. He rose from the dead on the third day, spiritually and physically immortal. For the next 40 days, he was seen by more than 500 eyewitnesses. His wounds were touched and he ate meals. He physically ascended to heaven. Jesus will come again visibly and physically at the end of the world to establish God's kingdom and judge the world. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a force or energy field. He comforts, grieves, reproves, convicts, guides, teaches, and fills Christians. He is not the Father, nor is he the Son, Jesus. As we said earlier, salvation is by God's grace, not by an individual's good works. Salvation is always received by faith. We've discussed the steps necessary to receive this free gift already. This is God's loving plan to forgive sinful people should they make the choice to accept it. After death, believers will go to be with Jesus. After death, all people await the final judgment. Both saved and lost people will be resurrected. Those who are saved will live with Jesus in heaven. Those who are lost will suffer the torment of eternal separation from God. In other words, hell. Jesus' bodily resurrection guarantees believers that they too will be resurrected and receive new immortal bodies. Christianity is usually practiced as a group would worship within churches. There's no secret rites. There's a baptism in the Lord's Supper communion. There are active voluntary missionary efforts. Aid is given to those who are in need, such as the poor, widows, orphans, and really the downtrodden within society. Christians do believe that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah promised to Israel in the Old Testament. And Jesus said that his followers would be known by their love for one another. And it's challenging to compare and contrast other religions and even that of cults to Christianity once you know the truth. 
Whether it's Satan manipulating partial truths or blatantly mischaracterizing God, it's sometimes hard to proceed with an open mind. And yet the foundation of Christianity is for us to love God with all of our mind, heart, and soul and love our neighbor as oneself. And of course, neighbor refers to all other people on the planet, regardless of their religion. Now that we know what Christianity is and isn't, let's look at how Islam compares to biblical Christianity. Muhammad was Islam's founder. Muhammad is the final seal of many prophets sent by Allah, which is what Islam calls God, refers to God as. The Islamic calendar began in AD 622 when Muhammad fled Mecca, and the main sects are the Sunni and the Shiites. The key writings are known as the Quran, which was revealed to Muhammad by the angel Gabriel. The biblical laws of Moses, Psalms of David, and Gospel of Jesus, the angel are accepted in the Quran. But Muslim scholars teach that Jews and Christians have corrupted these original revelations. God, or Allah, is one. The greatest sin in Islam is shirk, or associating anything with God. Many Muslims think that Christians believe in three gods and are therefore guilty of this shirk. Human attributes such as fatherhood could not be associated with God. Jesus is referred as Isa in Arabic and is one of the most respected of over 124,000 prophets sent by Allah. Jesus was sinless, born of a virgin, and a great miracle worker, but not the Son of God. His virgin birth is like Adam's creation. Jesus is not God in their religion, and God is not Jesus. He was not crucified. Jesus, not Muhammad, will return for a special role before the future judgment day, perhaps turning Christians to Islam. Allah has or is a spirit. Muslims reject the biblical concept of the Trinity. And when we look into how to be saved, we learn that Islam believes humans are basically good but fallible and need guidance. The balance between good and bad deeds determines eternal destiny in paradise or hell. And Allah's mercy may tip the balance to heaven as his will is supreme. And what about death? What happens? Well, resurrection of bodies. Fear of eternal torment is a prevalent theme of the Quran. Paradise includes a garden populated with Oris maidens designed by Allah to provide sexual pleasures to righteous men. Followers of Islam are called Muslims. They go to the mosque for prayers, sermons, counsel, holy efforts to spread Islam or jihad. The five pillars of Islam include confess that Allah is the one true God and that Muhammad is his prophet. Pray five times daily facing Mecca. Give alms, which means money. Fast during the month of Ramadan. Make pilgrimage to Mecca once in your lifetime. So that's Islam. Now for our final comparison today, let's look at a religion called the Nation of Islam. And this one differs. The Nation of Islam religion was founded by Wallace D. Fard in Detroit in 1930. And you may have heard there's a lot of Islamic people living in Michigan, so this would make sense that this is where the founder is from, Detroit. Um, 
But it was led by Elijah Muhammad since 1934, and he died in 1975. And it appears the current head is someone named Louis Farquhan, who was born in 1933. And the headquarters are in Chicago, Illinois. The writings include the Holy Quran publicly. That's their authoritative. And then the Bible's quoted often. But message to the black man in America, our savior has arrived in other books by Elijah Muhammad, supply its distinctive views for the nation of Islam. Current teachings are in the Final Call newspaper and speeches of Minister Farrakhan. Officially, there's one God, Allah, is described in the Quran, but Elijah Muhammad's teachings are also true. God is a black man, they say, and millions of Allahs have lived and died since creation. Collectively, the black race is God, and Master Fard is the supreme Allah and Savior. Officially, Jesus is a sinless prophet of Allah. Privately, Jesus was born from adultery between Mary and Joseph, who was already married to another woman. Jesus was not crucified, but stabbed in the heart by a police officer. And I'm sorry, just side note, but that just makes me laugh at how ridiculous this is. He is still buried in Jerusalem, and prophecies of Jesus' return refer to Master Fard, Elijah Muhammad, or to Louis Farrakhan. The Holy Spirit is not significant to the belief for the nation of Islam. However, he's generally regarded as the power of God or as the angel Gabriel who spoke to the prophet Muhammad. People sin, but the nation of Islam does not believe that people are born sinful. Salvation is through submission to Allah and good works. Older beliefs still held that Fard is the savior and salvation comes from knowledge of self and realizing that the white race are devils who displace the black race. There is no consciousness or any spiritual existence after death. Heaven and hell are symbols. Statements about the resurrection refer to awakening mentally dead people by bringing them true teachings Farquhan's public message coexists with earlier esoteric doctrines. Elijah Muhammad's older views, such as polytheism, God is the black race, Master Fard is Allah incarnate, whites as devils bred to cause harm, are still distributed. But public preaching now focuses on Islamic themes, one eternal God, non-racial emphasis, with frequent use of the Bible. As an aside, the book Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus by Nabil Karash was an excellent book into, it was a look into Islam by a devotee, converted Christian man. If you've never read this book, I personally highly recommend reading it. It was very good, very enlightening. So friends, if you have not been spiritually reborn, Jesus made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in God's son, Jesus, professing with their mouth. Listen to what the apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And when we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. 
Our sin was placed onto Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. We can never repay this extraordinary and extravagant gift of kindness back to Jesus. However, we can show him gratitude by growing in our relationship with him. We can make efforts to obey him, deepening our relationship daily. It may even be possible to see how a gene skipped a generation in preference of the one afterward if you possibly did not have Christianity as part of your family. You can be the difference maker. So today, friends, if this is you, I challenge you to take a bold step of courage and openly confess after me. Father God, I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, come into my heart. I confess your shed blood washed away my sin at the cross at Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed this prayer salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the Holy Spirit. And consider growing by joining a good Bible-based church, surrounding yourself with other like-minded believers who will build up and help edify your faith in Jesus Christ. Now allow me to be the first person to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your life. Congratulations and God bless you. Friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special children's podcast will air on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, spiritual warfare, how to be joyful, what love in action looks like, and biblical trust. And as you can see from today's topic, so many more. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on an adventure of all things Jesus. So please join me. And if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, ensuring you'll get the latest releases when they become available. And friends, much of today's podcast referenced my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or compelling, you can pick up a copy from my website at pampastorcopywriting.com or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. And importantly, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It's full of God's word, and it is waiting for you to read it. So until next time, remember you have been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, my friends, God bless you.